TalkZone.com. Now, TalkZone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joe Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. This is Two Guys and a Mic, TalkZone.com. Thanks for joining us this fine morning. Thursday morning, second weekend of the NCAA tournament, the greatest sporting event there is. I'm Jordan Burnfield, JB, in the house with you until at least 11, possibly 12. We could be going two consecutive hours of two guys and a mic. And double two guys and a mic is a good thing, hopefully. At least if you have me, hopefully it's decent. 888-463-6748, 888-GO-FOR-IT is the phone number if you prefer the letters over the numbers. A lot going on in sports today with the tournament continuing tonight. The coach, the big dog, both off today. I don't, I don't know where the coach is. I never know where the big dog is. But coach, I, I forget. I think he was going out of town or something. So you got me today, tomorrow, and Monday. So hopefully that is a good thing for you. But if it's not, you can call me and tell me why I stink. 888 67 48 second weekend of the tournament is here absolutely huge weekend because of course these are the games that provide the bridge to the final four the promised land in indianapolis next weekend where everybody wants to be and i love the ncaa tournament no matter what round it is whether it's the final four or the first round i know some people completely prefer the final four because that's when the championship is decided And I know other people who much prefer the first weekend because it's just an onslaught of college basketball. You've got 32 games in in a very short period of time in two days. You know, you got 16 teams playing every day in the first couple of days. There's scores coming in and out. It's complete sports van nirvana in the fact that you've constantly got something to talk about, some game going on, some crazy upset. And in the first weekend, we had an incredible weekend of college basketball. The number one overall seed in Kansas gets taken out by Northern Iowa. The emergence of an eight-senior-laden team in Cornell, which is in the Sweet 16. So many great stories. How about Murray State? Dinero Thomas hitting that fadeaway 17-foot jumper from the elbow to pull off an upset. There were so many great upsets in that first round, in the first couple of rounds. But now you're getting to the point where... Some of those teams that had their magical first weekend, that magic runs out. We're also getting to the point where some of these top seeds that are still remaining have the opportunity to prove again why they are the top seeds in the tournament and to beat some of these teams. This year, you've got top seeds playing teams that are probably a little bit easier to face than they would have had to face in previous years. That's, of course, because of all the amazing upsets we've seen in this tournament. And in fact, if you ask a lot of people, Northern Iowa playing against Michigan State, a lot more people seem to like Northern Iowa than they do Michigan State, of course, because Kalen Lucas is out. But it's amazing how this year's tournament has experts thinking that the nine-seeded team that would never beat Kansas is actually 
the better team going into a matchup with the five seed in Michigan State. 888-463-6748. The games going on today in the NCAA tournament, or I guess I should say tonight. Number two, West Virginia will take on number 11, Washington. That game is coming up at 627 if you're living in central time like I am. Also coming up tonight, number one, Kentucky against number 12, Cornell. That is going to be, and to me, I'm a Syracuse fan. I'm a diehard Syracuse fan. But I am more excited to watch that game, I think, than I am to watch my own team play. That's how excited I am for Kentucky and Cornell. Number one, Syracuse will play against number five, Butler, tonight. And also, number two, Kansas State takes on number six, Xavier. Tomorrow, it'll be Butler and St. Mary's. That's a three versus a ten. You'll also have Duke against Purdue, a one versus a four. Amazing how Purdue has been able to get as far as they have, considering they didn't have Robbie Hummel. I, like many others, picked Zien in the first round. That didn't work out for me. Also, number two, Ohio State, number six, Tennessee tomorrow, and number five, Michigan State against number nine, Northern Iowa, as I mentioned before. But great games coming up tonight. If you want to talk about these games, feel free, 888-463-6748 or 888-GO-FOR-IT. I have to say, too, that that going into the NCAA tournament with my team being a one seed, it's really a different experience. When you're a fan of a team that's a five seed, a six seed, a seven seed, a 12 seed, whatever you do in the NCAA tournament, for the most part, is acceptable. If you're a number five seed in Michigan State, and I know that Michigan State fans have very high expectations in the tournament, and they should because of how well Tom Izzo has coached them in the tournament over the years and how well they usually perform in this field. But if you're a five seed like Michigan State, You've lost Kalen Lucas. If you lose to Northern Iowa, is that really that big of a deal? You had a great year. You got to the Sweet 16. I know at one point this was a top-five team in the country. But to me, if I'm a Michigan State fan, considering our top player went out, I'm happy with the year. It was a great year. If you're a team like Northern Iowa, like Cornell, like Washington, any of these so-called Cinderella teams that are still remaining, whether or not you win, even if you really get blown out at this round now, you've had a fantastic year. There is no reason for anyone from Cornell to hang their head. In fact, when those players, and it's not going to be a long drive because they just have to go from Syracuse back to Ithaca and Cornell, but when those players return home after they play this tournament, whenever they are eliminated, should they be eliminated in this tournament, they are kings at Cornell for the rest of the school year and for a long time after. What Cornell has done in the tournament, even what Washington has done, even though they're not really a Cinderella team, this year they happen to be an 11 seed, but normally, of course, Washington, one of the better teams in the country, and we've seen them advance in the NCAA tournament before. Northern Iowa especially, when they go back to Cedar Falls, those kids are gods on that campus. Ali Farouk Damesh, Jordan Eggleseeder will never pay for anything ever again in Cedar Falls. Those guys are heroes in their particular cities. But as a Syracuse fan, normally Syracuse might be a five seed, they might be a four seed, they might be a six seed. They're somewhere in the middle. 
Whether they go to the Final Four or not, I'm not expecting it. They go to the Sweet 16 like they did last year, for instance. Very happy with the year. Did I want them to beat Oklahoma last year? Absolutely. But Blake Griffin was the best player in the country, and that team won that day. And I wasn't really upset as a Syracuse fan. This year, though, the fact that Syracuse was the number one team in the country three weeks ago, then they, you know, they had this 28 and four regular season. They're now 30 and four, having demolished their first two opponents in Vermont and in and in uh, Gonzaga, rather. But going into this tournament, I, I've almost not been able to enjoy the games as much as I normally would. And the reason for that is that I I feel like they have to win. It's not that I can be excited or accept getting to the Sweet 16. Syracuse only really saves face if they reach Indianapolis next weekend. It's a fact. Now, if Coach was sitting in this seat, he would tell me they had a great year no matter what, that everything is rosy, that Syracuse's fans should be proud of them. I got news for you, okay? Syracuse fans have seen their team win a national championship as recently as 2003. Nobody on the Syracuse campus or in central New York is going to be excited if they lose tonight to Butler. When those players return home, when Jim Beheim returns to Syracuse in, on a cold night after they lose to Butler, if they are to lose... There's not going to be a parade for them outside the Hancock Airport. No one's going to be there. People are going to see this as a grave disappointment. And so going into this tournament, finally, as my team being one of the favorites, it's more pressure on me as a fan because I feel like they have to win. They were the best team in the Big East all season, regardless of the fact that they stumbled and lost to Georgetown in the first round of the Big East tournament. But they have to win. If they don't win, this season's a failure. You have to reach the Final Four no matter what. You're a one seed. You're expected to get there. You don't get there. The season was not good. And I hate to put it that way. I hate to to simplify it that way. Coach would be jumping out of his chair right now listening to me say this. But it's a fact. 888-463-6748. 888-GO-FOR-IT. If you want to email me, you can do so at jordan at burningonsports.com, burning with an E on sports.com. I'll make sure to go over to my email there and uh, check it out if you have any emails you want to send because I can't get to the two guys in a mic or the mic two guys email account because I don't know the password. Sorry. 888-463-6748. So anything you want to discuss in terms of the NCAA tournament this afternoon, this morning, wherever we are, whatever time, wherever you're listening. As Coach likes to say, you know, you can be listening all over the country. This show is heard everywhere in the country except for parts of Terre Haute, Indiana. If you if you are interested in any of the different teams in the tournament, I'd love to talk about it with you at 888-463-6748. I also want to get into this Tiger Woods April 5th press conference that's coming up. Arnold Palmer says that he needs to open up <laughs> Tiger Woods opening up. Really? What, when, is, when does Tiger Woods open up? The closest thing he's ever come to opening up was reading a prepared robotic statement in front of a blue curtain in a you know jacket and dress shirt 
slacks combination with his mother and selected media on hand. And Tiger Woods has never opened up. What's he going to do? He's going to give us all the details that TMZ has been reporting for a while? Is he going to say, I, I just, what is Tiger Woods going to say? Furthermore, it doesn't sit well with me that Tiger Woods is having this press conference on the day of the national championship in college basketball, and he's having it on opening day in Major League Baseball. It's just another way for Tiger Woods to upstage everybody else with a press conference. And I understand that Tiger is the biggest story in golf, and Tiger Woods is the biggest sports story in sports because it penetrates not only the sports fan, but also the people that aren't really sports fans that just know Tiger Woods because he's Tiger Woods. I realize the magnitude of whatever he says is going to get talked about 9 million different places all over the globe. But I just find it a little bit selfish, a little bit disrespectful, that Tiger Woods is going to have this press conference on Monday, April 5th, considering the other events going on. I understand there are always going to be sporting events, but for Tiger Woods to, A, upstage the Masters, I mean, this tournament is not going to be the Masters. It's going to be the Tiger Woods return show. It's going to be reality television. The, uh, listen, if you're the Masters, if you're Hootie Johnson, if you're the people down in Augusta, I suppose you're thrilled because you're going to get better ratings for this Masters than you will have had in a long time. There's no doubt of that. But it's not going to be about the tournament. It's going to be only about what Tiger does, what Tiger says, how Tiger looks, how Tiger acts. All Tiger, all the time. And to me, since it's going to be such a huge story later in the week, I don't know why you don't have the press conference on a Tuesday or a Wednesday. He's the only guy having this press conference on the 5th. Nobody else is having theirs on the 5th. And I understand Tiger's is the most important, but I don't know why you don't have Tiger... Let it go as long as you want, and then have the other players on a Tuesday or Wednesday afterward or before. It's just, to me, you have a big sporting event coming up. You have a big sporting event in the college basketball national championship game. You have a huge day with multiple games as Major League Baseball officially opens its season. I know there's a Sunday night Yankee-Red Sox game, but that's sort of like the standard to have that Sunday night ESPN season opener. I get that. But for all intents and purposes, opening day is coming on Monday, April 5th. And for Tiger Woods to be upstaging all of this is sort of like, I mean, what are you really going to say now? What can he possibly say that's going to be earth-shattering? I'm sort of sick and tired of hearing about Tiger Woods' personal life. I think at this point it is what it is. He did what he did. He's gone to rehab. He's trying to fix his life. I, I really don't uh, what details... Are there out there that you really want to hear? 888-463-6748. If you're looking for Tiger Woods to break down and cry, if you're looking for him to really look as sincere as other people would, I don't think you're going to get that. Tiger Woods is never, has never been a guy that is going to do that sort of thing. He's very reserved. He's very private in all of the controlled interviews that he's done, whether it was the one with Tom Rinaldi on ESPN or any of the others, it's all the same thing. He says the same thing. He refuses to answer some of the quote-unquote tough, tougher questions. And frankly, 
I don't think that Tiger Woods needs to divulge every detail of what happened the night of his car accident, nor does he have to divulge every detail of every transgression he's had. I don't think it's all of our business. 888-463-6748. We're also, at some point, going to be talking to Alan Yellen about the Cubs. He also has a a new uh, Cubs annual out through uh, Maple Street Press. And so if you're interested uh, in the book, we'll tell you where to get it. It's uh, maplestreetpress.com. You can get that book. But we're hoping to talk to him about the Cubs as the Cubs season starts. And like I said, just about uh, a week from now, April 5th. And I'm excited for baseball season, even though I'm a little bit nervous. (laughs) I mean, as a Cubs fan, I know that. You know, you're supposed to be optimistic. It's supposed to be next year is here. Hurrah, hurrah. But looking at this roster, can you really be that confident? I don't know. I think a lot of things have to go right for the Northside Club this year for them to be a better team. You've heard Lou Pinella say that, well, we won 83 games last year with a complete disaster of a clubhouse with Milton Bradley. So many things went wrong. Soriano was horrible. He got hurt. Soto was horrible. He was hurt. Carlos Zambrano hopefully has a bounce back year. It's sort of like if, 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 if. If the stars align for the Cubs, then they'll win. Well, when have the stars ever aligned for the Cubs? Right? Could they be good? Absolutely. Could they be a 75-win team? I, I, I could see that too. I really think with the Cubs this year, they're one of those middling teams in baseball that they could be a 90-win team if things go right. And they could be a bad team if if the doubts that we have coming in materialize. A lot of people are talking about their bullpen and whether it's going to be bad and they don't have any names. Well, let me just say this, okay? Teams that win, their bullpens are good. Teams that don't win, their bullpens are bad. Okay, is Phil Coke a great pitcher for the New York Yankees? No, but last year the Yankees won the World Series. He had a good year. Okay. You look back at any team that has won the World Series over the last 10 years, and there are relief pitchers that just have ridiculous years, even teams that get to the World Series. I mean, look look at the Tampa Bay Rays of 2008 that went to the World Series. J.P. Howell and Grant Balfour were two of the best relievers in baseball. Okay, so if those guys are so great for one year, what's to say that Esmailene Caridad couldn't have a good year? And if he's terrible, then the Cubs won't be very good. But my point is is that don't look at the names in that bullpen and just all of a sudden think that they're going to have a horrible bullpen because it's, it could be the case that these guys pitch well, even though they're not big names. 888-463-6748. Time for us to take our first break here on Two Guys and the Mic. But when we return, we're hoping to talk to Alan Yellen about the Cubs. I'm willing to take any calls you have on the... NCAA tournament coming up tonight. Some great games tonight. Want to hear from you. 888-463-6748. Jordan Burnfield filling in for the coach and the big dog on Two Guys in the Mic. Stay with us.
thezone.com. Jordan Burnfield with you. Welcome back to the show. 888-463-6748. 888-GO-FOR-IT. If you like the letters over the numbers. Good day to be a sports fan. Any day that there is NCAA tournament in my book, it's a good day. It really is. And tonight we've got some good games on tap in the NCAA tournament. Number two, West Virginia, 11th seeded Washington. Kentucky and Cornell, 1 versus 12. That'll be a great game. Those games going out of the East region in Syracuse tonight. And then the Syracuse Orange, because they can't play at their home arena in the NCAA tournament, were, well, were relegated to the West region. They take on fifth-seeded Butler. Also, number two, Kansas State is taking on the sixth-seeded Xavier Musketeers. I've heard some different opinions on radio and television about sort of a greater meaning to this game between Kentucky and Cornell I've heard some different people suggest that Kentucky and Cornell is bigger than just a 1 versus 12, but it's a battle of, quote, of stereotypes of, quote, dumb school versus smart school. Cornell being the smart school, Kentucky being the dumb school. I've also heard this suggestion that it's a battle of the predominantly white team in Cornell versus a predominantly African-American team in Kentucky and that somehow that is appealing to different Americans across the country. I'd like to hope that that's not why this game is considered to be a great game. I would like to think that, and maybe I'm wrong, but I would like to think that people want to watch this game because it's an incredibly compelling matchup on the floor. It's a representation of a Kentucky team, which is that big school, winning his program, John Calipari in there, one-and-done player in John Wall, maybe the best player in the country, great forward in DeMarcus Cousins, Patrick Patterson, Bledsoe, just a ton of great young talent that is trying to win the NCAA championship this year because they will look markedly different next year. And looking at Cornell, classic example of that little engine that could team, that team that has eight seniors, that team that has grown together over four seasons, has incredible chemistry, and is trying to win and and do something that Ivy League schools don't do. Forget that it's maybe some white players versus some black players, or that it's smart school versus dumb school. I think those are just stereotypes and and shallow ways of looking at this game. Look at the game on the floor. This is a great game. This is why we love the NCAA tournament. This is a classic case of David versus Goliath. That's why this is a great game. And whether you're a college basketball fan or you hate college basketball, and if you hate college basketball, I really feel bad for you, but let's say you do. Anybody, sports fan, casual sports fan, diehard sports fan, non-sports fan, I think if presented the storylines of this type of game could get into it and enjoy watching a game like this. 
Really. It is a great game to watch. I just don't see how anybody could not want to watch a game where you have this type of storyline on the floor, regardless of any of the other stereotypes or other crap that is associated with it, fairly or not. 888-463-6748. Another thing that I was thinking about in this NCAA tournament is that isn't it the case now that Butler is not a Cinderella? Can we stop calling them a Cinderella? This team was in the top 11. Okay, they finished the regular season, the 11th ranked team in America. I mean, can the 11th ranked team in America really be a Cinderella team? Just because they're out of the Horizon League? Listen, I covered the Horizon League this year. It wasn't a great basketball conference. But Butler is a great team. They are. Are they quite as athletic as Syracuse? No, but Syracuse might be the best team in the country. So are, is Butler going to be the best team in the country? Probably not. You look at the quote-unquote mid-major schools, and, and to me that term kind of gets used too much and isn't always a term that is accurate in describing teams. But when you look at mid-major schools, quote-unquote, the only one that has ever really been, quote-unquote, the best team in the country is Memphis. And Memphis, when they had Derrick Rose and... And they were kind of cheating their way through it with John Calipari. But that was a team that you could have argued was the best team in the country. Usually, the mid-major schools maybe aren't the best team in the country. But on a given night, they can be. And in a given tournament, they could be. And Butler, to me, listen, am I rooting for him tonight? Heck no. I'm rooting for my team. But Butler is a really good team. I don't really want to hear about them being a... Uh, underdog anymore or a, or a, a team that is a Cinderella. That to me is just not accurate in describing Butler. Gordon Hayward could play for any of the big, big time programs in the country. He turned down scholarship offers from Purdue and some of the other schools, some of the major schools in the area to go to Butler, which shows what a good coach Brad Stevens is to be able to get him there. But Butler is a good team. Shelvin Mack is a really good guard. He's very quick. He can shoot the three extremely well. He shot the three extremely well in this tournament. Matt Howard is six foot eight, but a very wide-bodied player. I think he could have some trouble tonight against Syracuse, but may may be able to perform better than you'd expect because Arinze Onowaku is not going to be playing for Syracuse tonight. And therefore, I, I think that when you look at this game that you might say to yourself, well, maybe Butler has a better chance than they would have before because if Onowaku doesn't play, it might allow Matt Howard some more room on the inside to score. Although you look at the way that Syracuse played it against a team in Gonzaga just last week and Robert Sacre, who's seven foot tall and, and Syracuse let him have some points in garbage time, but in the main part of the game, the main stretch of the game in which that there was a doubt Robert Sacre was not beating Syracuse by himself. I, I do think that Butler is a little bit of an underdog in this game, but my point is let's not call them a Cinderella anymore. This is a really good basketball team. And if they beat Syracuse tonight, I wouldn't be surprised in the least. Uh, like I said before, though, as a Syracuse fan, I, I really think that they they have to win this game. 
I mean, they have to they have to win this game because they got to get to the final four because that's what a one seed is supposed to do. Eight 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 four six three sixty seven forty eight. A really dangerous eleven seed to me is that number eleven Washington against number two West Virginia because I I, I think that when you look at the bracket this year, that it was really well done for the most part. There weren't really any teams, in my opinion, that had a legitimate gripe for being snubbed. West Virginia complains, or not West Virginia, Virginia Tech complains every year. Seth Greenberg, I'm so tired of his act. Enough complaining. Why don't you win some real games? Seth Greenberg, every year, wah, 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 we didn't make the tournament, we deserved it, we played a tough ACC. Why don't you finish better than 500 in the ACC for once? Why don't you challenge yourself out of the conference? Do that, win 10 games, 11 games in the ACC, then you'll make the tournament, Seth. Every year it's the same thing. You're just this middling ACC team, and you think because you play in the almighty Atlantic Coast Conference that we're supposed to lay down and put you in the tournament. They didn't have a legitimate gripe. Here in the Chicago area, everybody all on the bandwagon of Illinois saying, you know, and I think, and, and before I even continue, you're going to be saying, well, some people didn't think so. That is true. There are plenty of Illinois fans that, that looked back at this team and said, you know what, we didn't deserve it. But there were plenty of Illinois fans that said we deserve to be in the tournament. Well, you lost to the NIT last night, so clearly you didn't deserve to be there. To me, if you're a team that thinks that you have a gripe because you didn't make it and you were put in the NIT, you have to win the NIT. You win the NIT, okay, maybe maybe we left you out. You don't win the NIT, you don't even get to New York if you're Illinois. I don't want to hear from you anymore. But when you look at a team like Washington and 11 C, this is a... This is the team that won the Pac-10 tournament, okay? Pac-10 champion, 11 seed, it, it doesn't really sit right with you. You know what I mean? The Pac-10 is one of the BCS conferences in football. They're normally one of the best conferences in the country. This year, it so happens to be the case that the Pac-10 was way down this year because so many players have been drafted out of the Pac-10 in the last couple of seasons that the Pac-10 was not quite the conference that it normally is. Not even close. It, it was a down year. But Washington is a good team. Lorenzo Romar is a good coach. Quincy Pondexter is a heck of a forward. And that's a good team. And West Virginia, admittedly, is not a great scoring team. I heard Bob Huggins on television last week before the tournament started, and he was wondering how his team was going to score enough points to win. West Virginia is a very physical team. They have a tremendous defensive team. They're going to be missing their point guard, Daryl Bryant, though. And that does hurt. In saying that, if you watch West Virginia play this year, a lot of times Deshaun Butler will bring the ball up the floor. Devin Ebanks will bring the ball up the floor. They don't necessarily need Daryl Bryant in the game, but he's a good he's a good piece to that team. It definitely hurts. But I guess that what I what I see when I see these teams, except for maybe a Cornell or a Northern Iowa maybe, maybe St. Mary's would be the best example of this, but for the most part, these so-called Cinderella teams, maybe you didn't expect them to make this run in the NCAA tournament, but I think you could also make a very solid argument that this team, or that these teams, are underseeded. 
and that they're not Cinderella's really. I mean, when you look at Cornell, 12 seed, almost beat Kentucky, or almost beat Kansas at Fog Allen, okay? Nearly took out Kansas at Fog Allen. They went 29 and 4 this year. They had one loss to Penn, but played very well. One of their losses came to Syracuse. I mean, this was a team that really didn't have any bad losses all year, and they almost took out the number one team in the country on their home floor. Maybe we should have had Cornell seated higher. Maybe we should have also thought that Washington, which was an excellent team all season, and they were 26 and 9. Maybe they should have been seated higher than an 11 seed. I mean, you look at the tournament, they did a good job in terms of what 65 teams are in the tournament. But what I wonder is whether it's the case that some of these teams got underseated. Northern Iowa had a great year. And, and when you look at Northern Iowa coming out of the Missouri Valley where you normally have some really good teams, Northern Iowa's 30 and 4. I mean, they had two bad losses this year. I'll give you that. Northern Iowa lost to DePaul, which is fairly unconscionable because DePaul is just awful. They also lost to Evansville, which is also fairly unconscionable because that team was a disaster all season. But maybe Northern Iowa is better than a nine seed. Right? Maybe Cornell's better than a 12 seed. Maybe Washington is better than the 11 seed. Maybe it's the case that the 16 best teams may really be around. Food for thought, if nothing else. St. Mary's may be that one team that is sort of a surprise, but then again, you've got a good center in Omar Samhan. Matthew Deliadova is a, is a good player, good shooter, good size for a guard, six foot four. You have a team there that should have probably made the NCAA tournament a year ago. They had a legitimate gripe a year ago and didn't get in. They crushed Gonzaga in the West Coast Conference championship game. And we all know that Gonzaga is like that one mid-major school that always gets respect for the most part. Maybe they should have been seated higher. But then again, I don't really have a problem with the 10th seed. All I'm saying is that when you look at these teams and you look at these Cinderella's, you can see why they are where they are. And when you take a look at these teams, it's not really that surprising why they are where they are. 888-463-6748. 888-GO-FOR-IT if you prefer the letters over the numbers. Take another time out here on Two Guys and a Mic. When we return, I want to talk a little more about this Tiger Woods situation. We're also hoping to hear from Alan Yellen who is going to be talking to us about the new Cubs annual. Cubs season just around the corner. Two guys in the mic, TalkZone.com.
Two guys on the mic, TalkZone.com, JB in the house, filling in for the coach and the dog. But uh, I think we have the dog on the phone line now. See, even when the dog is not here, he is here. He is here in spirit at all times. Dog, how's it going? Uh, Jordan, it is definitely good to be on the air with you. i got to be honest with you. I love when that we don't do the show. Because that usually means you're replacing us, so we can finally have somebody professional on the show. So, well, I, it's good. I appreciate that. You know, that's why we know when I don't show up. You know, I figure it's good to have you there. So, well, uh, I, but, I was just thinking that I probably dragged the show down even more, but I appreciate that you think that I'm not dragging it down. Oh, no, there, there are definitely two different styles. You got, you know, you smooth and professional. Then there's Coach and I, who are basically our our lost children in the woods, and sometimes, you know, we find that needle in the haystack every once in a while, but not usually. You know what? But at least you do find the needle in the haystack occasionally. <laughs> yes, exactly. I mean, every I just keep searching. I never find it. <laughs> yeah, but what's going on this morning, Big Dog? Well, you know, just, you know, talk about the stuff you're talking about, the tournament, and, and a little bit on the Tiger Woods. I don't want to beat the Tiger Woods stuff up, but I kind of want to bring it up for the fact that my point is, Let's leave it alone. None of us are perfect. Why does this guy have to get hammered all the time? He doesn't owe anything to us. Right. So, you know, he had his press conference. He, he did all that. Let him go back and play golf. He's already lost hundreds of millions of dollars. Or I don't know how much it is, Jordan, but he's lost a lot of money through endorsements. And I never liked him before. And it's not like I like him now, but all of a sudden there's something in me that kind of is rooting for him just because so many people are on his back over stuff that it doesn't matter to them. Yeah, I mean, to me it's – what are you going to get from Tiger Woods, right? I mean, what does Tiger Woods ever say? He's not opening up. He never opens up. And he's upstaging the national championship and opening day by holding this hour-long press conference. Furthermore, he's doing it at the Masters. So, uh, what? I mean, what What would you want to hear from him? What would suffice to you, I guess? Oh, see, that's what happened for him. He's having it on the Monday of opening day of baseball in the title game. He's doing this? Yeah. So, listen, he is smart. It's got to be because he kind of wants to say he has the press conference but also doesn't want to be the focus of the sports media. Is that the reason why he's doing it? I mean, listen, Arnold Palmer told him that he should come out and open up, and I guess he's doing it because of that. I don't know if he thought about the day that he's doing it, but he is upstaging. He will upstage the national championship, and he will upstage the opening day of Major League Baseball, without a doubt. He, he, he absolutely will, and he is right if he's trying to get some of the focus off him because, let's be honest with you, i will be much more concerned about the national title game, which I assume you think Syracuse is going to be in. You know what, I, don't, and, uh, I, don't know, I don't assume, but I hope so, Big Dog. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm just, you know, give me a little yeah. hard <laughs> and, and baseball, that's all I really care about, so it's a little disappointing. I didn't realize it was opening day and the Monday of the opening day. I'm pretty disgusted by that. Right yeah. Now. I mean, to me, to me, it's, it would be third on my list. I'll be happy to watch the tiger press conference because you know, it's going to air 24 hours a day on at least three of the 17 ESPN networks. But uh, I, I would say that if, if I'm, you know, on, on opening day, that's a holiday for me. Baseball oh, yeah, opening day. Yeah. I want to watch the cub game. I want to watch other baseball games. And if Syracuse happens to be in the national championship game, I am watching that game. And if Tiger Woods wants to talk, let him talk. You're going to watch the title game no matter who it is unless that team was the one who beat Syracuse. Right. Then then I'll have the the sort of the gag reflex like I did in 2003 because when the Marlins beat the Cubs, I didn't watch the World Series. 
No, I did not. not I couldn't watch an, an inning of it. A pitch, I didn't watch that. Right. Year. So if, if Syracuse is in the Final Four and they lose to somebody, I don't know if I'll be able to watch the national title game. Maybe. Uh, well, you know, they could do that, too. And if there's any of the – this is one team that plays like a team, your Syracuse Orange, and that's what's a lot of fun to watch about them because they they're not loaded with all, like, the great superstars, Jordan. But it seems like they got a bunch of really skilled players who can shoot and pass and rebound. So, you know, they do have a really, really good chance. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. But, uh, uh, but it, go ahead. Go, go ahead, Big Doug. What are you saying? Uh, I was just saying, no, I'm, I'm enjoying the show, and uh, it's always good talking to you. And I don't know, uh, just quite simply, do you think the Cubs have any chance this year of contending? Because I, I don't, and that's why I'm finally going into a Cubs season happy. In some weird way, I'm not worried about them winning at all this year because I don't think they can. Yeah, well, I, I think they could contend for the division. I don't think they're going anywhere. I mean, I think that they could contend – in terms of the fact that they could stay in the race with the Cardinals, the Cardinals are better though. I, I don't, I don't have a good feeling about this year. Yeah, it's another one of those years where you got to hope for uh, an injury from Wainwright, Pujols, or Carpenter. Pujols' back is hurting. Pujols' back <laughs> is hurting. No, I'm not. I'm not. I don't even want to go there. That's awful. Yeah, oh, I, no, I don't either. I was just yeah. throwing it out there. Right. All right. All right well, Jordan. Big dog. Thanks for the call. Under front box. All right. That is the big dog who is one of the regular hosts on this show, and uh, I want to transition from that Cub call. To another Cub call, we have Alan Yellen joining us on the program now. Alan has created the new Maple Street Press Cubs 2010 Annual. Alan, thanks for joining us. Hey, uh, let's not be so formal. Just call me Al. All right, Al. I, I, I'd be happy to call you Al. Uh, Al, if when you when you look at uh, this Cubs season, I, I know that you guys have gone pitch by pitch in terms of the scouting reports. You've looked at the ten keys to the 2010 season. I don't know if you just heard while you were on hold me telling the big dog that I don't have a great feeling about this year. What is your feeling about this year? Well, I was just about to mention that last call. I was listening to the end of the last call, and I'm thinking about it this way. You know, the Cardinals had a great year last year, won the division, then got blown out in the playoffs just like the Cubs did the year before. The Cubs had a terrible year last year. Everybody was hurt. People had down years. And still, the Cubs finished only seven games behind them. So I'm looking for people to be healthy this year, for people to have better years like Soriano and Soto. And I think they can stay with the Cardinals. I'm not going to pick them necessarily to win, but um, I don't see them as, I don't see this as being a down year at all. The thing that concerns me though, Al, is that I feel that I, I'm, I'm nervous that there are too many ifs. You know what I mean? When you go into this year, Alfonso Soriano had a really tough year last year. You can blame the knee injury. You can blame just a bad performance, but it was an awful year for him. Giovanni Soto, while he's lost 40 pounds, are we going to get Giovanni Soto of 2008 or are we going to get Giovanni Soto of 2009 or are we going to get somewhere in between? Furthermore, with Ted Lilly out for a couple weeks, you don't know how that rotation is going to shake up. I've got questions about the bullpen. I just feel like there are a lot of things that – have to go right for them to win. I'm not real worried about Ted Lilly. I mean, like you say, he might miss two weeks, or what are you talking, maybe two or three starts? Right. So that's not going to, that's really not going to hurt his whole season. You know, Lilly wanted to pitch in, in a spring training game, and the management wouldn't let him. They wanted him to pitch in a minor league game instead. But I think he's ahead of schedule. I think he'll be ready, ready to go within a couple of weeks. So, you know, that really solidifies the rotation. You know, then you have four good starters in Zambrano. And Lillian Dempster and Randy Wells, you do have some 
unknown arms in the bullpen. A lot of there are a lot of minor leaguers who look pretty good who will be in this year's bullpen. And yes, you're right. There there aren't the names that we've had before, but on the other hand, you know, look at guys like Bob Howery and Aaron Heilman who were in the bullpen the last two years and weren't very good. I don't see how it could be worse with some of these guys that that are in the farm system. Eventually, your farm system guys have got to produce. Joined by Al Yellen, he has created Maple Street Press's Cubs 2010 Annual as the Cubs get set to open up the new season in Atlanta on April 5th. Al, uh, how important is it for this year's team in terms of their success for Carlos Zambrano to rebound? Is that maybe the biggest key for them to have a better 2010 than they had in 2009? It's definitely one of the biggest. Uh, Zambrano actually pitched pretty well last year, even though he only won nine games. And that, again, was partly because of the bad bullpen. The bullpen kept blowing game after game that Z got into the late innings of the lead and took a win away from him. So he has also lost weight. He looks like he's in shape. He looks motivated and focused. Last spring training start was very good. Uh, I think we could be in line for a really big year from Z. And then you look at a guy like Ryan Dempster. You want to talk about a guy who works his tail off in the offseason. Ryan Dempster, his workouts are insane. I I think that after last year where Dempster was very mediocre following that 17-win season in 2008, I I also am a little bit nervous about him. And furthermore, Randy Wells, as good as he was last year, and, and he could have been Rookie of the Year. You could have made a case for him to be the Rookie of the Year in the National League. How confident are you in Wells' ability to repeat the performance that he had last year? And furthermore, how confident are you in Ryan Dempster returning to the 2008 form? Well, let me talk about Dempster first. You know, one of the things that affected Dempster last year was, as a lot of people know, he had a, uh, his wife had a baby just before the season started, and his, uh, his daughter had some, uh, some problems. And he wound up spending the first couple of months flying back and forth between a hospital here in Arizona and Chicago, and that obviously affected his performance. Right. In the second half of the year, he was just as good as he was in 08. So I look for him to be back on that 08 track. As far as Randy Wells, well, you never know. I mean, a guy could be a one-year wonder, but I think Randy Wells knows what he's doing on the mound. He has a good mound presence. He seems to be dedicated to working hard and keeping up the level that he had last year. Maybe he won't be quite as good, but as a number four guy, I think he'll be a solid number four guy. I, I, I'd like to think so. Look, looking at the rest of this uh, rotation, you've got a fifth starter's job that's still kind of up in the air. You've got Sean Marshall, Tom Gorzolani, Carlos Silva, a bunch of these guys going for that final spot. Do you think it's going to be Silva based on the fact that they had to acquire that ridiculous contract? Do you see Sean Marshall being the fifth starter, is he headed to the pen? Where does Gorzolani fit in? How do you think that's all going to shake out? Well, that's a good question. Uh, Sean Marshall threw yesterday and looked really, really solid. If it were, if it were me making the choice, I would pick Sean Marshall. Silva's looked pretty good. I mean, considering he was probably the worst pitcher in baseball the last two years, um, he's actually looked like he might be serviceable. You know, Maybe you could put him in the back of the bullpen and have him eat up some innings and blow out. Uh, Gorzlani's been kind of up and down. He's going to pitch today, and that might be his last real shot at getting in the rotation. So although there's some questions about that five spot, they do have a couple of guys who might be okay. Yeah, they, they do. Maybe they'll be okay. I, I look at the transitioning to the offensive side of things, and again, we're talking to Al Yellen, who has 
done an excellent job with Maple Street Press's Cubs 2010 annual on the line. We're talking about the Cubs. If you have calls, 888-463-6748, if you want to discuss our beloved Cubby. Uh, I, I look at Marlon Byrd's acquisition. He's had a really good spring so far. Last I checked, was hitting about 350 this spring. What do you think Cubs fans can expect from him given to that his hitting coach from Texas where he flourished is going to be here now in Rudy Jaramillo? Well, I think you hit the, hit the nail on the head there with Jaramillo. Um, he's the guy that Marlon Byrd credits for turning him into a good hitter with Texas. In fact, before that, Mark DeRosa, who, you know, all Cubs fans, uh, I still miss him. Here. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, sure we do. I mean, just because of his great attitude, but DeRosa said that Jaramillo turned him into a, a great hitter or, or, you know, at least a solid hitter. Right. And so, you know, having those two on the same team will definitely help. I li- also like the fact that Bird seems to have uh, he just seems to have a smile on his face every day. He goes about the game with, in the right way. He seems to be a real good teammate and clubhouse guy, and the Cubs could sure use one of those. They they absolutely could. Uh, Jeff Baker or Mike Fontenot at second base? Good question. Baker has not had a good spring. He's actually played a lot of time at third base to see if he can back up there. I mean, Ramirez I, has already got his first injury of the year. so Ramirez is actually going to be back playing uh, – the field either Friday or Saturday from what I hear and he says he'll be ready for opening day but right now it looks like Fontenot is going to probably be the starter yeah at least in a a platoon arrangement I just feel like they've got to make sure that they have somebody to back up for him I know Chad Tracy had a pretty good day yesterday didn't he have five RBI for the Cub yesterday as uh... Tracy Tracy had two doubles and five RBIs he's looked pretty good at the bat not so great in the field but they need a they need a good left-handed bat off the bench, so it looks like he may very well make the team. Is there a scenario in which he and Kevin Millar both make the team? Because I happen to think that Millar should make it, because I think Millar would just be a great chemistry guy for this team. I agree with you. I, I don't see that happening unless they decide to go with 11 pitchers, because they just don't seem to have room for all these guys. There seem to be like five guys for three spots on the roster, so it's a tough call. Yeah, well, finally... Uh... Al, tell us about the Cubs 2010 annual. Tell us where people can get it. I mean, it, it seems like an absolutely uh, fantastic read. Uh, I definitely want to go through it, but uh, tell people how they can how they can read it and, and what it's all about. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, we've got previews of every player, including a full stat page on all the starters in the starting rotation. Uh, you can you'll find out about the top 20 prospects, a couple of prospect profiles. There's some articles about the new ownership. You can get to know uh, Tom Ricketts a little bit. And, uh, you know, unlike a lot of preseason annuals, there's no advertising. It's all articles and photos. You can get it at uh, most uh, local bookstores, online bookstores, and at maplestreetpress.com. All right. Well, Al, thanks so much for joining us on the show. It it seems like a great read, and let's hope the Cubs have a good year in 2010 because 2009 was no fun. You got that right. All Thanks right. for having me. Yep, that's Al Yellen joining us from uh, his excellent new uh, read, which is called the Cubs 2010 Annual. It's from Maple Street Press. He has put this thing together, and they've got stats and previews and bios on every player. If you're a Cubs fan, it's a must-read, so make sure you check that out uh, as we head towards the 2010 season, which begins... On Monday, April 5th, it's coming up, folks. If you're a Cubs fan, you're a, you're a baseball fan, the season is literally right around the corner. Cubs will open up the 2010 campaign 
with the Atlanta Braves, and they will do so in Atlanta. Then they've got Cincinnati before coming home for their first home game on April 12th, which will be at home against the Milwaukee Brewers. So in Atlanta, the 5th, the 7th, and the 8th, they have the Friday, Saturday, Sunday weekend series in Cincinnati. Then they come home to take on the Brewers before hosting Houston on that first homestand. I was actually just out at Wrigley Field uh, maybe three, four days ago. They're actually doing a lot of good things there. They've improved the bathrooms significantly. Uh, I, I I was never a fan of the bathrooms at Wrigley Field. I know some people say the tradition is the troughs. I think it's gross. Um, but I know they are keeping the troughs, but they've realigned and redesigned the bathrooms at Wrigley Field. And so I know that uh, they're, they're supposed to be roomier, nicer, better, et cetera. So if you are going to a Cubs game this year, you should definitely – Enjoy it. 888-463-6748. I want to squeeze in another call or two if we can. But, uh, again, the NCAA tournament coming up tonight. We've got uh, lots of great games coming up, as I mentioned, throughout the show. Baseball season around the corner. Tiger Woods having a press conference on Monday. Really, Monday is going to be a great day to look forward to. You got uh, you got. Baseball season, Tiger Woods, and the national championship game in college basketball. Tell me there's a better day than that. Uh, in terms of who I like to win the games for tonight, I'd like to say Syracuse is going to win tonight. I hope Syracuse is going to win tonight. Uh, I also would like to say that I think I think Washington could beat West Virginia tonight. I really do. I, I'm going to take Washington over West Virginia. I want Cornell to beat Kentucky. I just think it would be a great story for that to continue. I've really been on the Cornell bandwagon. So I would like to see the number 12 Big Red take down Kentucky. And uh, and plus the game is in Syracuse, so it is sort of a home game for them. And finally, I like Kansas State to beat Xavier. Thanks so much for joining us on Two Guys and a Mic today. My name is Jordan Burnfield. Tomorrow I will be back. So if you didn't like me today, you're getting me tomorrow and you're getting me Monday. So you got the weekend full of me, which hopefully is is something of a good thing for all of you. But, uh, again, thanks for joining us on the show. My producer is David Olson, who does a fantastic job every single time. Enjoy the games tonight. We'll talk to you tomorrow on Two Guys and a Mic here on TalkZone.com. <laughs>